0: Welcome to The Hut Near the Bog, the podcast where a life and business coach and a philosopher discuss various aspects of human existence by drawing on the wisdom of Ireland as well as their own expertise and life experiences.
1: The thing about the life of a comedian, I suppose, is that sometimes you have to analyze life so much and you're constantly trying to observe and then that can get to a point where you're, you're overlooking things, you know, and you're trying to analyze everything to see where the jokes are. Mm. And uh, in a way, sometimes you don't need to do that. You just need to go with the flow of whatever it may be. So like there's, there's ups and downsides to being a comedian, you know, sometimes you can, as I said, overthink things and try to dig into things too much.
0: Absolutely, we'd say we don't analyse it out of
1: existence.
0: Yeah, that's a good one, I like that. Owen Colgan is the Irish cult comedy hero best known for his role as Buzz MacDonald in Hardy Books. In this episode, I sit down with Owen to get to know the man behind the comedy. Owen starts off by telling us how growing up in the West of Ireland shaped his comedy. We then explore the differences between the rural and urban senses of humour and the role comedy plays in helping us to understand the absurdity of life. We also discuss why being humble is so important for having a healthy and balanced outlook and the uncertainty that comes with the life of being a creative. In the final part, Owen shares his wisdom and recommends that we all try to get out into nature as much as possible. So, Owen, thanks a million for coming on, on the hut near the bog. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, my name is Owen Colgan. I'm a 36-year-old actor, comedian from County Mayo. I uh, started off in the Hardy Books, which is a TV show from the west of Ireland. And uh, it accidentally happened, and things just went from there. And I've, I'm now sort of a, as, as my job, I would say I'm a stand-up comedian actor. But uh, that's kind of a vague enough statement, too, because... Really, I've just kind of playing like a an extended extended version of myself as opposed to actual characters. You know,
0: how did you end up pursuing a career? You say it's an, it was accidental. How did that come about?
1: Well, I was living with uh, a few of the guys from Hardy Books in Galway, we were, and I was just working in retail. I was working in lifestyle, sports, Smith's toy stores. I was working in nightclubs, just collecting glasses. And I was, to be honest, I I didn't really know what I wanted to do in life, and. I was living, as I said, in Galway City, but I was doing a sports nutrition course out in Ormore, and uh, I wasn't really liking that, but at the time, it seemed like that was my only option. But then, at around the same time, around the time I was getting really sick of the course, uh, two, of the, two of my friends from Hardy Books said, oh, do you want to act in this uh, weekend like vignette of a video we're going to shoot, and we're going to... Promote it and see if we can get some sort of like. There was no real talk back in those days of uh, you know trying to get money off making videos, and there's no nobody had social media accounts. It was back in the day of the days of Bebo. But um, we went home and it was to Swinford and we recorded a bit of a weekend video, and we uploaded that to the internet. I think it was uploaded to Bebo, and there was a few people talking about it, but nobody really, nobody had smartphones back in those days, so it wasn't really a a big thing, but. Some fella from Dublin who he does, apparently like he does the puppets for Podge and Raj, he's seen, he's seen a clip of it and he said, that's funny, you guys should enter that into RTE Storyland, which was an RTE, an online uh, Storyland competition that RTE were funding. So we entered that and luckily enough, we got down from 200 or 300, I think, entrants down to 20, which meant that we'd get paid something like 500 quid each for a weekend of filming. And at the time, as I said, I was working in retail and I was only getting paid, I think it was 330 for a full week's work. So I thought, geez, this is handy, getting paid 500 quid to hang out with mates and just talk rubbish, you know? So um, it just kind of accidentally, that was pretty much the opening point for my acting career to start. I'm I'm kind of interested in exploring your background
0: pre-comedy, because I think what I'm interested in understanding is... Where did the comedy come from? And I know that you. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but uh, this is what my. This is what I seem seem to get. This. You grew up on a farm in the west of Ireland. Is that? I correct? did.
1: Yeah, yeah. I grew up in uh, a village outside of Swinford called Bohola, and there wasn't much going on. Like, but you kind of had to make your own fun out there. We were about five five miles from the local town, and uh, I went to a small school up the road for myself. There was only like twelve or thirteen students, but. When I was growing up, I'd always see my father and my uncles and even my mother and her sisters, and they'd be all always having the crack around the dinner table and there'd be food laid out and they'd be having a few beers and, you know, nothing too hectic. But the one thing I always remember is that they'd always be having the crack and teasing each other and messing around. So I think that that was probably my first first time kind of seeing people having the crack and joking and seeing the kind of fun that people could have just from bouncing off each other. And then... um, so, I'd say that that's probably where I got the idea of doing comedy from in the first place. Um, and it was just like to make each other laugh, you know. I wasn't really trying to make, it wasn't trying to be anything bigger than that. It was just trying to have a bit of fun in the moment. So, um, that's where I got my first taste of comedy. And my father is, even unbeknownst to himself, he's very accidentally funny. Like, he does a lot of things that, even when I think about them now and I look back, uh, they were very funny, but he wasn't trying to be funny. Like, he just, you know, would be out fencing in the field and he just stand there like for like an hour or two, just kind of staring out into the distance, but just doing the minimal amount of work. And at the time, I'd be like, come on, let's get this done because I want to get back inside the house, you know, where I feel I can relax, you know. But uh, when I think back to a lot of the stuff that he used to do, it, it does make me laugh a lot. And I think that definitely the majority of my comedy comes from probably my father. But again, my mother was a funny woman, too. She used to love a bit of jiving in the kitchen and uh, she was always up for a laugh, you know.
0: So I'm wondering then in terms of how do you think that this, I know that it's shaped you comedically and stuff like that, but in terms of other aspects of who you are, how, how do you think growing up in the West of Ireland, growing up on a farm, what does it, what does that mean, I wonder? What does it mean to grow up there? What, how, did, how, do, how do you think that, what kind of perspective do you think that gives you in life?
1: Well, now looking back, I'm very happy and proud that I, I, I had the chance to grow up in the countryside because I, um, when I was growing up there, it felt, it felt kind of boring because... You know you had to get into town. I didn't have a car at the time, and getting into town, I, I think people were they were more cautious of where they spent their money back in the nineties. So if if my parents, they'd only drive into town maybe once a day or even once every few days. So that I'd have to organize my lift into town um, with them, you know, and otherwise then I'd be just stuck out in the farm, and you'd have to make you'd kind of have to use your imagination to make your own fun. And at the time, it seemed very boring just to hang out by the river or hang out with your cousins across the fields, but. Then the older I got and when I moved to the city, I was living in Galway for a while and I lived in Dublin for the last five years. I only moved back actually about six months ago. And now that I'm back in the west of Ireland, I kind of, I can re-see the magic that I, I had as a child and it's, it's all kind of in nature, you know, and I realized that kind of what I was searching for in the city was always what I had in the countryside. And um, I know that sounds a bit daft, but I just, I just like, I like... I really do appreciate that I was lucky enough to be able to spend so much time in nature growing up. The reason why I moved to the city a few years ago was because I thought oh, this will be very good for my career. It's going to get me what I want. It's going to make me happy. It's going to give me success. And then then my life will be, and then I'll feel good, you know. But really what I was missing was when I lived in the city, then I realized what I was missing actually was the countryside and nature. And it kind of, kind of had, as my friends say, you have to go away to come back. So when i did come back and i'm living out in belmullet now i've realized that what i had all the time was just like the beauty of nature i suppose is what i'm trying to say without sounding like too stupid but uh no no i totally
0: get it i i'm very much the same i i grew, I grew up in a dairy farm in tipperary so oh lovely yeah so i i, I know i know exactly what you're you're hinting towards or what you're, what you're getting at there's there is there's uh, something we take for granted uh growing up and uh you very much when you get away from it then you kind of you miss it now my circumstances is slightly different because mm. i, I st- i'm kind of i ended up back here back in our rural tipperary by by accident. but i'm uh, but I, and i'm i'm itching to get back to the city to be honest with <laughs> where you where are you but, thinking of moving to my my girl my girlfriend's in london and that's where i was in canterbury before, prior to that but but uh, i want to get back but i don't know what's going to happen there but anyway look i suppose that brings us into the, something else in terms of like, I think there is there is there a difference between the rural sense of humour? And I, I'm gonna, i going to I think what where I want to bring it is, is I want to explore these differences between sense of humour. So I think there's the culture, there's a the townie, but also I think in terms of culturally, the Irish sense of humour. But I think we'll start with the rural sense of humour. What what do you think? Is there a difference between the rural sense of humour and, say, a townie sense of humour? Or is it, you know, is it strictly the, the culture sheet dublin divide or is it something there is there a difference between even you know small villages and bigger towns
1: because with when it comes to country humor across the world i think there's definitely something in it that's kind of it's fairly wise even if they don't know it is, you know and i think as in like even when we were in the hardy books the beginning when we were saying stuff there's the main character kept wanting to move to the city but the rest of us were kind of like sure what would you what would you be doing in the city anyway it's too far away and as daft as it sounded i think there was there's a lot of uh A lot of philosophy, I think, in the daftness of the humour of the countryside. So I think that that's that's what I really like about that. And then when it comes to the city humour, it's a bit more cheeky, I think, and it's a bit more confident in the way they go on. But um, also can be very funny too, because um, I suppose the differences between the two, I I can't really say, but the the city humour is probably a bit more sinister, which can also be very funny. Um, And the countryside is more like... Kind of, I suppose, I would say anyways, I feel it's a bit more philosophical. or There's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a, a deeper meaning to some of it, you know. Um, that's not a dig at the city now because I love city humor and it feels like I'm having a good dig at it there. But I think that when, when I moved to the city myself anyways, I did feel like that my, my comedy itself was watered down because, you know, you become a bit. Um, I don't know, you kind of lose a bit of who you are when you're just around concrete all the time.
0: there's something about being in the countryside that is definitely there's a silence there's a there's a it's that connection there's a connection with it's like the ground under your feet I think I don't know what that is it's the ground under your feet that's and and then being around people that I suppose like although in some ways they're the people you're trying to get away from at some one point in your life and then you realize that they are probably some of the best people to give that provide meaning
1: in your life as well. I don't know if that makes sense at all. Does it? Yeah, it it does. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But also with the city, it's like when you go there to the city with fresh eyes and you're like, it's exciting because you've all these shops, you've all the lights, you've all the places that are busy and you can go for food and drinks at any time of the day. But then, and as well as that, it can be quite funny to watch people who've been in the city for a while because people are generally very stressed in the city and really it's, there's something about the city too, because we're all like people mostly choose to, to go to the city and it's almost like they're chasing something or I, I don't know what I was chasing when I, when I moved there, I suppose I was trying to do better in my career and it's also nice to be around people. So the far side of that then is, well as if you're in the countryside, it can be lonely. And it, you know, if you're on your own or whatever, it, it's like, it's nice to be in the city because at least, you know, someone's down the road. But with, I think with the city humor, I suppose, because, like, you you know, you're stuck in traffic or you're queuing up for something, there's a lot of grievances to give out about. And I think you can pull out a lot of comedy from that. But sometimes when you're in the countryside, you know, if you have a nice garden and you've got some plants or whatever growing out the back and you can really, like, bring your life to a point of zen or whatever, it's it's kind of harder to find the humor then as well, you know. So yeah, you, you yeah, almost yeah, have to enough. chase a bit of the silliness in the in the countryside, too.
0: Absolutely. And I suppose that kind of brings us on to a, a, another question I had for you, which is, what, what do you think that comedy plays a, a critical role in helping us to make sense of, I mean, some of the absurd aspects of life, but life in general, do you think comedy is, what, what role do you think comedy plays
1: there? Um, I think it, it gives us, it gives us, uh, it helps us, I suppose, understand life, because at the end of the day, I think we're all kind of scared about like life and what the point of it is. And if, if something happens after life. So when it comes to humor, it's, it gives you a different angle and a different perspective on how to see something like, because I think people who are people who give out a lot are quite similar to comedians only for comedians have slightly changed their per their perspective on life to, to, to realize how silly life can be because at the end of the day, everything that we do in life is quite silly because we don't know what the hell we're doing it for really. Mm. So I think, I think the difference between a comedian and somebody that's like kind of stressed out is actually quite similar, you know, not to say that all comedians are stressed out, but I'm just saying that if I guess if people who are feeling the pinch in life could just see that, like you're quite, if you can just slightly change your perspective, even though that's easier said than done. um, I think that you could probably see the daftness that is life. And uh, I, I don't even know if that
0: makes sense but uh, it, it, it totally makes sense but I suppose like I often think about so uh, teaching uh, teaching philosophy like mm. I uh, uh, philosophy and comedy have uh, uh, they're very much in my view and I could be totally wrong about this but it's just my opinion but I think that there's a real overlap between the two particularly, particularly the type of philosophy that I work in so uh, well the type of philosophy I was teaching at least so yeah. for example there's this area of, of philosophy called existentialism and it's a critical reflection of kind of life and the way we live. And and the the whole idea is that we basically we have kind of fooled ourselves into believing that everything is kind of set or at least that there's a and there's there's always this kind of meaning or purpose to things. Mm -hmm. And that that kind of restricts us. Uh it really that's what that does. It puts restrictions on the real freedom that we have. And so existentialists kind of come along and they say, well actually no like there's, you are you create yourself you've got the freedom to do that, and I think that they're they're trying to that's exactly what they're trying to do change people's perspectives the way they think trying to we're try, trying to burst belief bubbles those systems of that we that we inherit that we that we're socialized into mm-hmm. and what we're trying to do is look at things from a different way and realize that actually you could find more you know you, that there's there are aspects of life which are ridiculous and I think that there's an overlap between that and what comedians do. And maybe, maybe I'm, um, maybe I'm waffling. I don't know, but that's, that's, that's what I think. I, I Would you?
1: Oh, I, no, definitely. I, mean, I would a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I think there's a like comedians are just, yeah, as I said, just slightly change their perspective on how they see the exact same topic, you know? And I think that, um, yeah, but at the same time, then as well, though, um, The thing about the life of a comedian, I suppose, is that sometimes you have to analyze life so much and you're constantly trying to observe. And then that can get to a point where you're you're overlooking things, you know, and you're trying to analyze everything to see where the jokes are. Mm. And uh, in a way, sometimes you don't need to do that. You just need to go with the flow of whatever it may be. So like there's, there's ups and downsides to being a comedian. You know, sometimes you can, as I said, overthink things and try to dig into things too much.
0: Absolutely, we'd say we don't analyze it out of existence. Isn't? isn't yeah, it? Isn't that's right? a good one.
1: I like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. That's a uh, that's a, there's a guy called uh, Socrates, and he's the yeah. original kind of philosopher, I suppose. If you want, to. he's the we would see him as the founder of Western philosophy. Yes, that's and right. Yeah, he he said uh, he said. Uh, he said um, Oh, the, the unexamined life is not worth living. And then it, it, it was, I can't actually remember which philosopher said it, but he can, another philosopher said, well, well, don't analyze it out of existence. And that's certainly another problem, I suppose, but uh, it's certainly a problem for philosophers as well. But what I, what I find when I'm, what I find when I'm teaching philosophy is what I, I try to bring elements of comedy into it. So I try to make my students laugh a bit to put them at ease. And I think, I think with comedy, I I definitely agree with the element of like this is just this is just kind of I'm not a comedian obviously I just have attended I've gone to gigs and stuff of like that and yeah. observed comedians and what they do and I often think like that comedians are they're obviously trying to make people laugh but they're by, they're trying to do it by with elements so comedy is you know comedy is comedy with with elements of philosophy and teaching philosophy is is philosophy with elements of comedy that's that's what I think definitely uh, yeah. I think Bringing that in, trying to get people to see, making them laugh and realize. But it's a great way. It's a. I think comedy is such an important. It plays such an important role in society. Like completely, satirists, yeah. for example, political satirists, they're able they're able to do things and say things about governments without getting everybody's back up. Like a like jester,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. So it's it's such a. I think I don't know. I just think comedy is. It's such a. We perhaps we we don't realize the the importance that it plays. And the role it plays in
1: society. Oh, that's completely, it. yeah. And now more than ever. And I do think that a lot of a lot of philosophers who are like probably trying to make it—if that's what they try to do—I think mm. if they added in maybe ten or twenty percent of comedy, just so people can drop the guard a small bit, then you know, if, if you see any of the best comedians in the world and you listen to what they're saying or you read it in like text form or whatever, it's quite philosophical what they're saying and it's quite deep, you know. But it's just that they're they're pulling you in with a couple of silly. Anecdotes or jokes beforehand, you know.
0: Absolutely. the the the, the issue with, I, I mean, I I can kind of I, I'm gonna maybe bash philosophy slightly, but uh, the <laughs> issue with, the issue with philosophers is that there's a. So basically, you, you kind of you're, you're you're indoctrinated into this kind of academia, and mm-hmm. it, there's a certain status that comes with being an academic. So you, you you kind of become part of the ivory tower, and a lot of philosophy, unfortunately, is very detached from the actual needs of people. But philosophy started out not in that way philosophy started out as as a, as a means particularly if we look at like there's the the um the stoics and mm-hmm. are, the, that comes from the stoa was the marketplace in in ancient greece greece okay. the whole idea was was people would go down and they talk and debate ideas and discuss ideas and reflect on life mm-hmm. and that's where philosophy started out but unfortunately it's kind of hidden behind the, the ivory tower that is academia and so therefore like the ego the
1: ego got in the way is that what that is
0: well, the ego gets in the way. There's there's certainly an element of uh, look. I, I know myself because I probably was caught up in it myself a little bit. But uh, the kind of the the status of I'm I'm, I'm teaching in a university and yeah. I, I've got a PhD and oh, I'm absolutely great. And but you, what you do is you separate separate from yourself from really what needs to to be done. So uh, and yeah. really what really for me the job of a philosopher is 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 first off to be able to to bring you know be able to get people to think. In Different ways and realize and and, and and enable and facilitate that thinking, and I think that that's com comedians do that so much better than philosophers in my opinion
1: yeah well well, it depends on the comedian as well some of them you know it de- it depends on the person in in any industry really because you can meet philosophers who are just farmers, you can meet like comedians who just work in a shop and they could be funnier or tell you something that could change the course of your week, you know just by one sentence, so I suppose it depends really on the person really, but like you get you get all sorts in comedy too but I think um, when my, when my, my comedy is at its best, it's when I'm not trying to, when my ego is kind of not in the way. But then when it's something where I think, oh, this is cool or whatever, generally that seems to fall a bit flat in its face. And it's like it's kind of like I go through life of like trying to, trying to be humble and then it, it, I, it goes good. And then it's like sometimes when you get a bit carried away with yourself, that's when you kind of drop the guard, I think. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that one, I don't know, but... That's what it feels like to me. I'm still trying to figure that one out because, you know, comedy. The, I think, as I said, the best comedians are the, the they're uh, the best philosophers. I think in in like, as in like the likes of Bill Burr, or whoever else, uh, Richard Pryor. The stories yeah. that they're giving you, they have great lessons inside them, and you're like, oh, that's brilliant. So, if I want, I personally feel if I want to become a better comedian, I have to delve more into philosophy and the meaning of things, but as I was saying to you earlier, sometimes that can, it brings you down paths and you're like, it's almost frustrating because it there's no answer. I feel like there's no answer ever. There's no end answer to any of this.
0: But well, that's the beauty of life. Yeah. So like, we start off thinking we know, no, there's this, uh, there's this graph and it's kind of a piss take, but it's a, uh, it's basically it's uh, the undergraduate and uh, the, the graph shows that undergraduates think they know a lot about everything mm-hmm. and uh, and then well, by the time you get to the end of say, you go the whole way to doctoral uh, so doctoral students realize they know nothing they know a little they know a lot about some about something small but they know very little about the rest of it and i think that's the beauty that, like for me as a philosopher like it's interesting now how this conversation is developing but like for me as a philosopher like what I've learned is that I was always trying to find answers. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, trying to understand the world around me. And I have to some degree, you know, been able to do that. Yeah. Uh, I spent my twenties pursuing that and I've kind of coming now. I'm, I'm coming to the end of my twenties now and, I am um, kind of at the point where I realized that yeah, I have a lot of answers to a lot of questions, but they, I have a lot more questions <laughs> than I had when I started out. That's, that's fine. Yeah, but that's okay. That's okay. That's that's the beauty of life. Well, that's what I think anyway, and I think that's great because you never stop learning and to learn to learn something new all the time and to develop new skills and to be really just to be reflective and to learn. I just think that that's the beauty. That is a, that is that to me
1: is the beauty of life. And definitely,
0: and life yeah. will be turned oh yeah it would no, be sorry. terrible oh, sorry sorry
1: sorry go ahead no sorry i could have crossed you three times you you go ahead there james
0: oh yeah so i was saying just that that like that w- life would be very boring if we had all the answers wouldn't it like
1: it would be yeah uh, you'd solve the puzzle then it's like what people say when mayo win the all-ireland it's going to be boring because it's been like <laughs> since 1951 we haven't won it so instead of that let's keep the party going and let's keep pushing it out for a few more years because uh, it's
0: actually <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry it's just a, but there's this guy called Kierkegaard and he he talks about the anticipation of 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 the event is always better than the actual event itself anticipation so, is better than
1: realization for sure yeah definitely the yeah. journey yeah
0: the journey yeah and i think that's like ultimately like it's frustrating as it is sometimes to go well what am i doing why am i here like and we yeah. all do that we all do that we we end up in a situation where we're I'm very much in that situation right now. I mean, I'm kind of luckily enough, I've I've got a few things going on, but I'm still very much like wondering where I'm going to end up. And that's terrible, but it's also beautiful at the same time, because it's what gets you out of the bed nearly, you know, yeah, exactly. It is what gets you out of the bed. And it's, it's, it's the, it's, it's the possibility. There's the possibility for something Something, you know, you know, particularly if you've, you know, you want to really do things in life, there's always that element of, well, there's always that possibility of, I can do this and I can do that. That's exactly,
1: it. yeah. A few yeah. years ago, I was, I was living in uh, Swords in Dublin with two friends, and at the time, it was kind of after the Hardy Books had hit its wave, and it was kind of, not that the Hardy Books was coming down, but nobody was like, there was no talk of funding, there was no talk of getting another series, and... At the time, I had kind of put all my eggs into that one basket. I, I was thinking, Jesus, I'm gonna, I want to become an actor. I want to, you know, become a comedian. I want to make money off this. But at the time, I was really, really skint. To the point where, like, I had no money for rent. And I was kind of scraping together a few quid every day. Literally, just to go across the road to the centre, just to buy wedges. That's how mm-hmm. skint I was. And I thought, yeah. I'm going to have to move back to Mayo. And then there was a small bit of talk in the pipeline that maybe, maybe the Hardy books will make... Um, another series and then I started getting my imagination going I was like okay what if what if I start making my own videos and then I called in my friend and it was almost like it was almost like my I suppose my uh, vision of what could happen kind of excited me but then strangely enough when like I, I, f- I feel like you know I'm I've got a podcast going now and I've, I've got my stand-up is fairly regular and I do a couple of videos for different people fairly regularly so that feels good but at the same time, I didn't, like a few months ago, I, did, I realized I didn't feel any better because of what I'd achieved, and that really frustrated me because I thought, well, I have what I wanted to have a few years ago, but mm-hmm. I'm still not happy with it. And then I realized that life is a continuous sort of you're, you're always the student, and you just need to accept that you're always going to be the student, and you never you'll never find the, you'll never find the, the, the final answer. But you'll always find nice sort of uh, statements that will carry you to the next step, I suppose.
0: Absolutely, and I think that that's. Uh, I'm learning that myself. I kind of i they, they, moving back to Mayo. I finished. I finished <laughs> it the, the, the PhD, and uh, I was in. I'll tell you, I'd be basically. I kind of. I worked really, really hard. For three years. So basically, I got funding for three years. And once the funding stopped, then you actually have to start paying them, basically. So yeah. I was like, I'm doing this in three years, and then I'm going to get a job. And I'm, I'm, I'm myself and my girlfriend will we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll propose to her, and we'll get married, and we'll do all that <laughs> stuff. But basically, what happened was, is I worked so hard on what I was doing, and I, I, I fell off a cliff. Yeah. And fell off a cliff in the sense, I was like, what the f- am I going to do with myself now? So basically... I ended up in a situation where I was, you know, skinned mm-hmm. and I kind of had to, I, I, the farm here was here and I said, I'd come home and give them a hand for a while. So I came home for a while and then COVID hit and here I am now. So look, you don't know what, what, what life is going to bring for you, but all you can do is like for me anyway, I, I just kind of sat down with my mom and we said, she, she's usually quite busy. She's a life coach and she does a numerous other things, but she, her work had kind of dried up as well because of COVID and yeah. we kind of just sat down and we said, well, what can we do? And yeah. so we said we'd start the podcast, and that's all you can do. Sometimes you just have to look what's in front of you and just kind of get on with it. And
1: you do definitely, yeah. And it's like, especially in Ireland, like we do have a lot of opportunities to to do stuff. You know, like there's, as you said, like all you need is a microphone, you can start doing podcasts or whatever. So, I think a lot of it, I, I find that there's a very instant feeling of happiness inside me when I get excited about an idea, and if I have if I haven't created something in maybe a week, even if it's just a podcast or even if it's just a, a two minute video, if I haven't done any of that kind of stuff or created something new in the last couple of weeks, I feel I kind of start, my energy levels start dropping, you know, so whatever it is, I, I, I really like the, the fact of being able to do a podcast or create something because it kind of gives me that feeling of, it kind of keeps my energy high. Mm.
0: I'm wondering. I don't know, like what kind of you know. I'm I'm interested to see what kind of life it's like. Like, is there a, what kind of security does it bring, or is there a precariousness to it in the sense that you know, you're are you able to kind of go? well, oh, I have this. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask you about your finances. <laughs> I'm asking you. Oh, the taxman after you. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> like, say, like you know, what I suppose what I'm trying to say is, does it enable? does it enable you to be able to plan ahead and be able to do things and be able to say, look, you have a girlfriend. So, you know, be able to kind of go, well, this is how I see my life going with my, my girlfriend and that kind of stuff. Is there a, is there a, is there a security with it or is it, is there a constant precariousness? Is there a constant?
1: There's a, there's a small bit of both. And definitely during the lockdown as well, like all my jobs uh, dried up and I was, I was really worried for a while because I thought, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to have to just get a new career. So then, If I work in a a shop in town, people are going to come in and go, "Were you the lad that was in the Hardy books? And I'm going to have to explain the whole story to them. And I went through all these things in my head. And I brought myself down a, a, a path of fear, I suppose. And social media only adds to that fire because you're looking at other people. And everyone seems to be creating stuff all the time. And, you know, especially when you go on there. And if you don't do something in a while, you'll feel like you're kind of slipping behind. So the panic kind of hit me. But then when I stepped away from it a small bit and I realized that, I can, I can, you can kind of do, we're lucky in the sense that in Ireland, you know, and probably, I don't know, lots of parts of the world, you can kind of give a give different careers a go, whether it's in our parents' time, you kind of stuck to the one career, but, so then I realized I shouldn't be making myself into the victim, and I should just take the chance and keep creating stuff, even if it's crap, just keep creating it, because at the end of the day, it should work out for you, you know, as long as you're learning along the way, and you're trying to be humble about it, you know. It'll always work out, I think.
0: I'm interested in exploring that. You've you've said the word humble several times. And what <laughs> what do you think that means for you, and why do you think it's so important?
1: Um, I think it's so important because I'd hate to get to a position in my life where, I, you know, I I I just think arrogance and ign- uh, arrogance is it kind of blinds us. And I um, I suppose you know, like I w- for example, like with the whole like. Trump seems to be a huge thing in in Ireland now. Everyone seems to be on about him and politics and lots of people arguing about masks and everything else. And, you know, I don't really get involved in those arguments, but I like to sit back and look at Twitter feeds and I like to read things on Facebook. And I was kind of like looking at some of that stuff and going, who does he think he is? What's he on about? You know, and I was giving out about the people, even though I was kind of acting in the same way myself, you know, and I, I felt I was kind of like, you know judge being too judgmental i suppose and uh i think that society more than ever now needs a lot of like humility and humbleness between people and listen we need to to get back to a point where we're better listeners i suppose you know instead of just waiting to give our own opinion so maybe the reason why i keep saying the word humble is because i want to remind myself to you know be a humble person i think that's definitely a, a gateway to a better society
0: Absolutely, I I totally agree. But it's a hard um, thing to do,
1: you know, when you get carried away with yourself, you know. So
0: I i I, told, I can totally agree <laughs> there as well. I, I that's what a PhD does you, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It's definitely you
0: definitely uh, but you get a hard you get a hard landing. But like that's that's the beauty about life as well. Like it grounds you, it brings you back to reality. And when things sure. don't go your way, then you realise, God, you know, I'm not as great as I think I am. And yeah. that's 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 usually a good thing because like as they say, like you know, it's, it's to paraphrase, but necessity is the mother of invention. And when when you're brought back down to earth, or you crash back down to earth, in my case, you 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 basically you're you're in a situation where you kind of go, well, look, I just have to to get on with it now and create something for myself, or um, you know. So like, I think that that humbleness is really important because that's that humbleness is sometimes enables you to be creative, to Definitely. to really go and not not to get complacent with yourself. So
1: this is the thing, James, and, and another thing, like I. I think I went to maybe two months without making any any videos and I was like, oh, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I felt like anything that I was doing was rubbish or it, it just wasn't, it wasn't good enough or people would look at it and think it was stupid. And I was trying to figure out why I couldn't do it and I kept thinking, come on, you just need to do it. But then I kept sort of putting the block on it or I'd make up an excuse and do something else. And I, were, I, I came to the conclusion, and I could be wrong, I came to the conclusion that it was my ego that was getting in the way and I was trying to make a video that was like, I wanted it to do well. I wanted it to maybe go viral. I wanted people to say, oh, your video is great or fair play to you. You're funny. But then, you know, that's, that's really my ego looking for something off someone else. And really what I should have done is just, you know, made a simple video, which I've tried to do since. And I think I did, but I just made a few simple videos and just did it for myself really, which Mm. maybe sounds counterintuitive. And maybe I've mixed up the message in my own mind, but it worked anyways, because I just tried to make myself laugh and tried to maybe make my girlfriend laugh with the videos that I started making. And, I wasn't thinking about trying to make people in a social media universe, you know, happy or whatever. I just tried to make myself happy first, but did it without, without the ego, I suppose, and without trying to, um, trying to impress people. Because maybe and another thing as well is I, I've I was reading about recently. Maybe you can fill me in on this one. Trying to overly please people is not a good thing. That's I've I've been told that that's the ego. Um, getting in the way and tr- trying to impress people so it's not the true version of yourself you know
0: well I suppose I I suppose my own take on that would be that it's when I mean, you're trying to overly please some people then you're you're not pleasing yourself and ultimately you have to the, like I think there's I think I think there's an element of self-interest in everybody but like it, it, that, that, you do have to put yourself first ultimately because if you can't then you can't look after other people or put them first yeah you can't get the best person? version of yourself Exactly. So I think that's. I totally agree with you on on that point. Um, yeah, no that that's been really interesting. I I, I was going to ask you what makes the Irish sense of humor different from other cultures, but I feel like we've gone way past that now. We we we've gone down a different <laughs> a different path you know, altogether. All together. Um,
1: yeah, I hope this is coming across all right, because, uh, you know, I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm just trying to. I'm not really that good at articulating my words, but I wish you no, could no, see inside right. of my brain.
0: No, no, you're great. It's great. It's great. It's a, it's interest. It's an interesting conversation to have. Like I think, like it's I've I know lots of people who are very funny, but I and I, that I would consider to be comedians. But I I think this is my first first time to to sit down with you know an established comedian. <laughs> Have a have a have a, have a conversation. So it's uh it's it's interesting to see these different perspectives on life and and to see where, where your journey is going. Like I don't know, like I it's interesting to talk to people who are out there doing it for themselves, creating their own content and trying to make you know do making a living from it. Like you know, and yeah, uh, to see what, what what is that like? Why why do why do you, you know some of us crave crave that security? So we crave that nine to five career job, but other people create crave this kind of. Do you do you like the element of being in, very much in control of your own destiny and of your life and being able to do things that create something and and make a living from it? And-
1: well, at the at the beginning, it was like at the uh, back in the days when I was living in Swords, it was just a point where I had to do something because I had I actually had minus whatever for my rent was I think four hundred and fifty euros, so it was a necessity at that time and. As you said, necessity breeds all invention or is the mother of all invention. So I just had to do stuff. There was no, there was actually no other option at the time, whether it's the further I've gone on and I do different things for different companies. And sometimes that can be, uh, that can kind of shoot you in the foot because you do get comfortable and we all go through it. Everyone and even myself, sometimes I'll take the easy option and I'll take a job. You know, because different companies might say, "Can you do a video for this?" And really, that's not really why I'm in the industry to to do videos for like different branded companies. But at the same time, you know, in my mind, and it's been drilled into me since I was a child from my parents that, you know, whatever you do, if you, if you get a job, take it, no matter what the job is, nearly. So yeah. you have to you have to look after yourself too, and you have to be able to pay your bills and all that stuff. But at the same time, I do think that sometimes the more comfortable you get, um. Well, maybe it's not the case, but for myself, it felt like the more comfortable I was getting in the city, the less I was, the less I felt connected to the work that I was actually doing. Mm. It kind of lost a small bit of its heart, maybe. And um, I think coming back, to, coming back to the countryside, you know, and um, I think that that's definitely sort of helped me realign myself. that makes sense. Did that answer the question or was that just a complete? No, no,
0: no, no, definitely. It's an interesting answer. But um, where we started this conversation, you know, with you coming back to the country and that kind of why it's so important to you and what, what, where did it, did it come to a head in in the city or or was it just a gradual
1: thing? It's just a gradual thing. And it's like, you know, when you don't really notice you're getting, it's normally the bad habits I find is the ones you don't really notice that have grown upon you. Uh, and the good habits are kind of like you're very aware of them because you're, you're, I suppose, proud of them really. And you're the bad habits, you're kind of trying to hide them. But, um, probably like I was drinking too much and smoking too much weed in the city, you know. And that's, uh, yeah, I'm not too proud of that, but that's the way it was, you know. And, um, I thought, like, oh, yeah, the pints is helping me a few, like, and I wasn't getting like steamed up or anything like that, but I'd have a few pints, you know. Uh, like a midweek, you might meet a friend and he will say, oh, we'll go for a pint. And then you'd have two or three. And then, you know, you might have a smoke. And you think it's improving your work because you feel like you're this bit of a rebellious sort of character that's kind of, you know, you're living life on the edge, you don't give a shit. But in reality, it, it probably was taken away from my work because I, I found it very hard to sort of concentrate on anything. And it kind of took away, took away my confidence too. And I, anytime I jump into something, there'd always be an idea in the back of my mind that, oh, you're yeah, probably not going to finish this. And it was a self fulfilling prophecy a lot of the time. So, um, so I uh, the the city for me, I'm just, I just, I'm too easily distracted when I'm in the city. And uh, even when I go back there now with the whole lockdown thing, I was in Cork City there the other day. It, it kind of the city had lost its appeal to me. I didn't really feel stimulated by the shops or by the pubs or anything like that. You know, even though the pubs weren't open. But and don't get me wrong, I'll still go out for a pint. But Sometimes the city draws you into buying stuff and living a life that you don't really want to live. You're just reactive to everything in front of you.
0: Yeah, uh, well, it's it's uh, the consumerism, isn't it? Like, it's, it really
1: it's been, is. Yeah, it's, it's
0: the idea. The idea with the the idea of being surrounded, Well, the drink is definitely something I can agree with. When you said that, I was like, yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. But I, I would you believe it? Like, I used to like. I know I'm talking about myself again, but I think it's it's interesting to have a, have a dialogue. Oh yeah. you know, it's, not really, it's not how I it's not how I envisaged this this interview going. with more of a it was more of a dialogue, which is good. But uh, like when I was um. When I was living in, I wasn't living. I was living in Canterbury, which is probably about the same size as Galway. Mm. But uh, like, even like, look, I I had a great. I I, I still I miss it. And I I want to go back to well, urban urban living for a while anyway. Like yeah. but like definitely I agree. Like you know, you just I'd be there on a Thursday night and I'd I'd open. I'd ha- we'd go down and uh, we I'd be I a trad singer as well. So I'd go down to sessions and be singing. Oh, we'd have great crack but then friday night and thursday night and it was great but i came home then and i was kind of trying to live that life through zoom and through yeah you know like and i just kind of went no like and what i've noticed is is like my alcohol like i don't drink as much and i i've really i feel that in terms of productivity in terms of getting stuff done like my productivity levels have gone up like which is great so that's definitely an upside to being in the country but also i suppose just to talk about the kind of that kind of getting caught up in the city, like there's the whole idea of it's um, it's called critical theory. And they, they talk about how through various aspects of consumers. We mean that broadly, like in terms of even down to you know, social media mm. and cinema and like even things you buy in the shop or even going for a pint, like it's you kind of lose yourself in the image of becoming something else. So yeah. uh, it's this, it's this you lose your sense of individuality to the object and you really invest you invest yourself into that. And I think that's very much a part of like look, social media has exasperated that problem definitely. But also I agree with you. When you're in a city, you're trying to maintain a certain lifestyle and image. Yeah. And like I mean, like when you're in the countryside, like <laughs> like i i don't shave for weeks and i, I go and i <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, mean, I i pain like i i i go i go for i'll throw on my tracksuit bottoms and i i walk around the house you know and I, yeah. I, you know, I you know it's just different like you know it's different in the sense that you just there's less like you're it doesn't take away from what you're doing i mean for me i'm still working really hard but yeah. i'm just not really as concerned about i know like i i'm not as concerned about like you know buying that that, that nice shirt and those nice jeans and going yeah, on because you're not comparing someone. yourself
1: I suppose as much to people exactly. because when you're in the city and you see a lad that looks a bit like you maybe but he's got better hair and he's got nicer shoes and he's like he's in better shape you're, you start thinking I need to start joining the gym here and then yeah. and then you join the gym and that costs you whatever 600 euro a year and then you're like oh, I've got to pay that bill and then you can't eat late and then if you do eat late you feel guilty and it's just it's, it's, if, it felt like there was problems piling on top of problems and it was just you're kind of you're going on autopilot, and you're just trying to trying to get this quick stimulation just to take the edge off. But then when you come back to the countryside, I found that, especially during lockdown, we'll, we'll say Friday came along during the lockdown. I was like, well, I have to drink. It's Friday, and I'd be drinking like beers there in the in the living room. And girlfriend, was like, why, why you don't you don't need to like drink it that fast? And like, and I'd be taking big swigs because in my mind I was like, well, I have to get a bit tipsy here. And then got to a point where I was like, why why do I need to be tipsy in my own house? Like, there's nothing to be achieved from that. So it took, it's it's still, I'm still working on it, like, you know, and um, next time you see me, I might be having a pint. But at the same time, it it definitely made me realize, this whole lockdown definitely made me realize that I was doing so many things just to sort of, uh, just to sort of, I suppose, Give me some sort of a endorphine drop or whatever it is, uh, serotonin. I don't know what what drops when you when you have a drink or when you smoke a cigarette or whatever. But I think it's good. It's definitely good to have a period in your life where you let your body detox from all those things and listen to the silence and uh, listen to your own mind and what's it what's actually it's saying to you. You know.
0: Absolutely, I 100% agree, and that's definitely been the, one of the positives of. Of coronavirus, and as as I said, like I, I, like, I, I, still, I still can't wait to get back to the pub though. So oh yeah, oh,
1: that's, that's me too. Not, I
0: mean, like, <laughs> you'd miss it terribly. Like everything but, in moderation,
1: uh, you know. Everything
0: in moderation, but like you can't. Like there is something about the, the like particularly, you, you know, like for me anyway, there, there's something about the rural Irish pub, like and mm. going down and sitting and like you know you're, you're in the yeah look in a city there's the a, a non you know that you can be anonymous and that's that yeah. a, that's certainly a, a, a nice niceness to that but in the rural you know in rural ireland it's going down to the local pub and seeing people and having a chat and just kind of it breaks the 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 monotony of life really and yeah i think that that's the i think i think you know there's certainly the element where we yeah, probably we've we've learned about over drinking and stuff like that but also that sense of community that the pub is there in in rural ireland i think
1: yeah so, oh definitely that's yeah. a, and it's, it's yeah as long as you like i think that the whole point of going into a pub and drinking 15 pints uh, for me that that. I don't really like the idea of that anymore, but I love the idea of going into a pub and having a couple of pints and talking to an owl out of the bar and, you know, listening to his stories and then like finding out what he's to say and what, how his life was. And that seems to make more sense to me now, as opposed to just getting steamed and then not being able to talk because there would be many a time where I would get steamed and I'd, I'd be no good to man nor beast in the pub because I, I couldn't communicate whatever, whatever I wanted to say, you know?
0: No, exactly, and it's the uh, it's the it's the after effects then as well. Like you know, when you go
1: with
0: yeah. the fear, and you go out, <laughs> and, and you go. But if you go down to the pub and have a few, well, that's what I like about the the trad sessions as well. Like it's the, the it, that would be the start of the weekend, unfortunately. But that first night would be great because you'd only have a couple of pints, but you'd yeah. have a great chat with people, and you'd wake up and you'd feel the next day that was a lovely night last night. Yeah. And the the opposite of course of course is. Very much part of Ireland and the Irish mentality is that that kind of binge drinking and stuff like that. But anyway, it's yeah, it's uh, it, I hope I think um, I think certainly I've learned a lot about myself as a result of that. So, but anyway, I, 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 it's been a, a really fascinating discussion. And uh, thanks, James. Yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me on. And I
1: love well, listening to your podcast with yourself and your mother. It's really uh, really like it.
0: Thanks a million. No, it's great. And thanks a million for for um, I couldn't believe it when uh, I say say you're a man from the follow <laughs> follow me on insta i was like how the hell has this happened but uh, uh then <laughs> I, know, I was mad but uh, i so then i then i was actually there and um i one of the lads wrote to me like you should just, just ask him to come on i was like sure why the hell not so i wrote to you then and so you were like very receptive so i have to say that and I, that's you were talking about being humble but that's a real sign of being humble i think and i think fair play to you so oh thanks um, very much uh, well I thought, uh, but uh,
1: but it, like in saying that and i've I, I listened to your podcast and i thought like i listened to two episodes now and and. they've been brilliant, and, uh, um, I suppose the humble thing is like, I think we should all be humble anyways. That I don't think that that should necessarily be something that's like seen as like, wow, your man is humble. You know, it's like, you know, when they, you see Hollywood stars and you t- read about it on Reddit and they're like, oh, I met this lad and he's so humble. But like, really, we should all be, shouldn't we? I
0: agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. But as you say yourself, sometimes you get carried away with You do. You that, do get carried away. Part yeah. of it too. Nobody knows won- the answer, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. I I have one last question. I'm wondering what I want to know what your wisdom is. And I want to know what life advice you have for the listeners of The Hut
1: Near the Bog. Um, I would say don't forget about Mother Nature, you know, and don't forget about spending time. don't, Don't ever spend more than two days away from nature, even if it's just going for a walk and you live in the city, you'll always feel a small bit better. So. And it's just that simple. Just just go into nature, and you don't you don't have to plan anything. You don't need to have your earphones and your and a podcast prepared. Um, and just just head out into mother into into nature and, or a park or a field without the phone, without the laptop, without not the laptop, not that you're bringing a laptop into the field, but uh, and just disconnect from everything and listen to whatever your your own thoughts are telling you, and try not to judge yourself, I suppose. Owen, thanks a million for coming on the hut near the bog. Thanks so much, James, for having me on and and, uh, really enjoying the podcast. Say hello to your mother and uh, take care.
0: Folks, we really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. And don't forget to tell your friends about the hut near the bog. Bye.